for anyone who feels underconfident or lost or like, oh God, like what are my skills? Who am right. I? I like to share my journey because I think it's relatable. Ever. We are here with Danny. She works for VaynerMedia, and she spoke to us. The, she did guest speaking over with the Institute earlier today, and we're super excited to have her on our podcast. Welcome, yeah. Danny. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Can you introduce yourself a little bit for us? Yes. So um, I'm Danny Valentius. I am the Senior Manager of Culture for VaynerMedia or VaynerX. Uh, VaynerX is the portfolio company that VaynerMedia falls under. Right. And I say both because VaynerMedia has a little more re- name recognition. But I work for Gary Vaynerchuk, who has a very famous name that people yes. all know. <laughs> so she spoke with us today about organizational culture and organizational leadership. I mean, it was really mm-hmm. an incredible talk. So can you talk a little bit about like your experiences, starting with like, what did you do in undergrad? Yeah. So as an undergraduate, I went in as mass communication was my major, which would be equivalent to what we're doing here, the more production side element of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and really, I picked that major because there was a girl in high school who I really admired and she went to the same school and picked that major. I was like, <laughs> I want to emulate that. Yeah. And then as I got into it and realized it was more production focused, while it was interesting to me, it, I realized it didn't have the same passion for me as my more theory classes, my theory communication classes. So I decided to switch to communication studies. So the, really the theory behind all of communication and there's a lot of gender studies and negotiation and compromise classes and and how to how to set kind of what we're talking about today with organizational culture, like how do you set up space? Like how do you communicate space to get to the desired environment or the desired outcome that you want? So I picked that as my major and uh, and I really just really love those classes. That's so interesting because we take a lot of classes that are similar to that, but in a very different field. So that's fascinating. What other like extracurricular type of things did you do? I was on, uh, I joined our Communication Arts Society, which was pretty much the, the Calm Arts Club right. on campus. And, and then I was also in Lambda Paeta, the National Communication Arts Honor Society. And then my senior year, I became the communications chair on their e-board. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which, is, uh, which is neat because now it's funny, like looking back where I am in my career to where I was in college, I can see how all those experiences laddered up to what is my career in organizational culture now. So as a communications chair, it was a lot of how do we organize this group to be really like the best it can be like what right. what's the what's the goal we have and then how do we get there so even things from we want to create more unity within the group so let's do updated shirts let's get everyone's involvement in the shirts so they feel like a part of the group and not just right. that they're being 
told to wear something to fundraising events we held and just and figuring out like how to like unify and get more people involved. Well, you're clearly very passionate about what you do, which is really <laughs> fun to see. Did you have any mentors in your early on in your career in college that really shaped where you are? Not formally, but there's this one professor, Erin Foley Reynolds, EFR, everyone called her, and she was just like a lightning rod on campus, or, or at least on Calm Arts. Like everyone knew who yeah. she was. And one of the classes she taught was gender communication. And it was interesting. It wasn't gender studies. It was gender communication. So really how each gender, you know, and gender is defined as like societal expectations based right. on sex, communicates with one another or how they're told to communicate by society. And it was really fascinating to me. It was really my introduction also into feminism, I'd say, too, because mm-hmm. it she didn't take that angle of like, this is a feminist class, but inherently learning about the two genders, it really opened up my world. And she just became such an inspiration to me. And uh, not only her knowledge of what she knew about communication and the theory, but just how she presented herself too. She's very, she was very dynamic and she was very big in how she presented. She took up space and she walked and she had different influx in her voice and she was funny and serious and and goofy, but really smart at the same time. She was such a dynamic, complex woman, complex presenter and and professor and even today when I was presenting in the yeah. class I always think of her and how how she walked and and how she took command of a room and I really try to emulate that so I can yeah from what you're saying yeah. I can see like that you did all of those things when we were when I was watching you present the way you commanded the space and so that's I love I love that connection so how would you kind of describe your leadership style then based on that? My leadership style, it's a its a term that I made up. I, okay. I just say uh, leaders give your people sandboxes. Okay, explain that. <laughs> so the sandbox, if you, if you picture it, you have four walls, of course, and right. the sand in the middle. And the way I visualize it is the four walls are the framework of what you're doing a project or a job description in. So right. for the sake of this example, let's just say a job description. So you know your job description of like you're expected to do this, this, in this and serve these serve this mm-hmm. role. So that's the framework. And then as a leader, you should give your people the tools to go in that sand and then craft and build a really amazing castle. And the castle is representative of how they do their job. So as a leader, you give the people the tools, the shovel and the and the bucket and all that. You set them up for success and then you give them defined framework of what their job description is. And then you let people lean on their expertise and build the castle that they want to architect. And I some really people really like that imagery. That's Thank awesome. you. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm a very visual person too, so yeah. it helps identify that. And it's it, you know, people can go in and, and there's so many, you know, if you're if the end goal is build a castle, what that castle looks like and how you get there is is up to the person and how they best work and how mm-hmm. they use their expertise to to build that castle. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you just need a castle, then then you, you met the goal. It doesn't really matter how you got there exactly. so much. And it's good because it gives people then the autonomy to do their job, how mm-hmm. best suits them, versus like following a very strict regimented checklist or something. I've had some you know, some people in my life, both professors and managers who who tended to micromanage and give a step by step of like, this is how it should be done. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I have a very hard time following the step by step. But if you give me the framework and say, this is what needs to be done, now do it. I can think of the process on my own and own that and do it in my way. Then it's then it's it's much more authentic. And it's it's done much more. Right. Much more well done. And you're going to take more pride in that sandcastle exactly. at the end of it because you know it's yours. Exactly. When I'm thinking about what it would look like if you took away those walls or those tools, now you just have sand everywhere. And mm-hmm. it's not necessarily – that's 
I like that analogy a lot, actually. Thank you. I might steal that at some point. <laughs> As you should, yeah. Um, and I can imagine your management style then plays into that as well. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about those tools, what do those look like for you then? The tools would definitely be starting at the most basic level. There's any sort of like tangible resource the person needs. So mm-hmm. if it's access to you know, software or access to people or any sort of like tangible, you know, if technology, it's technology or, or something like that. Yeah. So making sure they have like the physical things to do their jobs. And then also the tools are, I'd say, the guidance and support of your leader too. So doing regular check-ins, asking how is how is the project coming? How are you doing? How are you feeling? And as well, giving that, giving straightforward, honest, mm-hmm. but loving, you know, genuine feedback right. too, and to help guide. Because you can't, you can't ask someone to do a job if you don't set them up for success. So all right. the tools should be like everything that that person needs. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes as you're building, do you find out you need another tool or, right. or, or like there's something else that can make this process go easier. Right. So hopefully your manager has enough experience to say like, okay, I see how this person is is building the castle. They could really benefit from this tool that would make their job so much easier. I have the expertise to know that is I'm going to go in and give it to them too. So right. having that like overarching view and being like, okay, I'm going to step in when I need to and help you. But I'm also going to give you enough leeway to have you ask for tools to see if, you, if right. you're learning so you know what to ask for too. So then what would be your advice in that sort of advocating for yourself or if you're not getting the tools that you're supposed to be getting? Like what, how would that conversation look like for you or yeah. if somebody comes to you or whatever it is and they aren't getting those tools? Yeah. I think it's just be an honest conversation of this is this is where I am in the project, or this is how, you know, my job description is going. This is where I'd like to take it, but I'm feeling a little stuck. So, but even scaling back farther from that, as as a leader slash manager, because the, the words are kind of interchangeable. Sometimes. Yeah, you really should have, yeah, sometimes, exactly, yeah. A manager is not always a leader. Exactly. Hopefully, before you even get to that conversation, there's enough of a foundational relationship aspect where, to the employee, to the the manager, to the employee, there's enough trust and honest communication where when the employee is like going through their project or their job, if they run into either they're stuck or they made a mistake or they're just confused, there's enough honesty there that they can go to the manager and say like, you know, they don't try to hide it or mask it or put right. it aside like, I need help. I'm, I've run into this problem or like I've brainstormed this, but I just can't quite crack it. Can you I help me? out of this box. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that can be, sca- you know, in our jobs, we never want to say, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, because right. that's essentially what that person's mm-hmm. saying, because we feel scared that we're going to be judged or like even in an extreme case, of like let go or something. Right. But I think it all starts at like the very onset of that relationship of like, as your manager, I got you just talk to me honestly, and I'll get you whatever right. you need. So let's like so then you get to a point where someone needs a tool or, you know, needs some something, help. Yeah. yeah, then it's like, then you're on the same page. It's not like a hierarchical relationship of like, oh, please, I need some help. I'm struggling. It's like, yeah. hey, we're partners in this thing. It's like a partner relationship and and I need your help in this. It's like, I okay, how can I support you? In yeah. order for you to meet your, you know, whatever quotas that you need, you need me to do the best job possible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, and here at the Institute, we are incredibly lucky because we're learning all of these things freshman and sophomore and junior year, being able to go to Dr. Price's office and say, you know, these are the tools that we need to run this podcast, Mm -hmm. right? Or this is where we're making mistakes. And so that's been really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been a fun learning curve. So I know you talked a little bit in your talk earlier about 
your positional journey. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of background, you know, you were working with like client services, right? Yeah. I mean, you said you were good, but not great at Mm -hmm. it. And then you almost created your own job. Is that kind of how that worked, right? You saw these holes and then thought I could do this. So how did that go from yeah, creating your own job description, I guess. <laughs> it uh, it definitely stems, one, from an amazing foundation that Vayner has built. So I wouldn't, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to do this at other jobs. Not And not every company has the culture where it's entrepreneurial and movable and proactive, mm-hmm. where if people think that they can do a better job somewhere else or, or move in the company that they can just do it. Right. Um, so Vayner has said, like, we really, Gary's very, very, very close to his company, Gary Vaynerchuk, and yeah. he's very entrepreneurial. He's very yes-focused and go, 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 and that translates to who we are too. Right. So it's like if you see something that you want to do better or you think you're in a better position, if you can make a business rationale for it, then it's kind of – kind of like just yes there's really That's no awesome. red tape just to have red tape or hierarchical you know paperwork or processes just mm-hmm. to create work if it makes sense cool let's do it if it doesn't work out we'll adjust, we'll adjust. That's yeah awesome. yeah so just it, the idea of creating your own job in a company is really interesting it's really neat me. yeah um and you talked about doing a self-audit before you decided to make that jump can you talk a little bit about that yeah i'd love to so when i was in the the client service world, or not even so much that, all, all my being up until up until I made the switch to the culture position, I really couldn't articulate or define my skills or, or what I brought to the table. Mm-hmm. I knew I was a, a smart person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I, you know, and I always got A's in schools. And I always was well-regarded in different groups that I did. Mm-hmm. And I was able to organize things, but I couldn't really articulate my skills in that. I couldn't, you know, I had a hard time yeah. figuring that out. So... I found out I wasn't, I felt I wasn't doing super great at client service. And I was like, I, I know I'm smart, but what am I doing wrong? So I took an objective view and I was like, okay, there, I know there have been times in my life where I felt really big and confident and like fully in command of whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. What were those times? So I looked at, from high school forward. I was like, what, you know, even back to eighth grade, I gave a, a presentation for the National Junior Honor Society, as silly as that was as an eighth grader. Yeah. But I was in front of the, I was in front of this auditorium full of people, probably 200 people or so, and presenting the, the award ceremony for the National mm-hmm. Junior Honor Society. And even as an eighth grader, like I loved I loved commanding that room and being in front of it. So I took moments like that and and even in the place in high school or in group settings, whether it be like friends or like Lambda Paeta or something like that, if I'm in a group, like where do I naturally gravitate towards? And I, I took all these different touch points and I kind of like mapped it out and I got a clear vision of who I was. And when I looked at that holistically, I was like, oh my gosh, this person definitely has business value, definitely has skill, like yeah. skill that I can bring to the business world and move the needle because I always felt my skills were just a little lofty and wouldn't really be able to define business needs. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at holistically, like the way I'm, I'm super empathetic and I love process, I'm very pragmatic. I was like, there's a position that puts all this together. Right. So when I first got in this culture position back in late 2016, it was more focused on the one-to-one aspect of Vayner's culture. So mm-hmm. we're very one-to-one focused. We like to recognize people for their individual contributions and individual celebrations and anniversaries, which is our work anniversary. Yeah. And uh, so it was very tactical like that. Mm-hmm. And then over the past two years, I've been able to grow it using all those skills identified more into this broader 
organizational culture. So looking at ourselves from an aerial view and you know, how can we take our mission, creating the greatest human organization there ever was, and what are the processes and tactics and structures and celebrations and all that we can use to to manifest that, to bring that mission to life. So it was neat. It was able to grow from a very straightforward thing to thinking strategically and well-rounded. And then it's just so gratifying. Like a moment of vulnerability, it's kind of like I found myself and I found my yeah. value. And it's like now I, I have the confidence to do stuff like this and say like this is my my business journey. self and this is yeah. my journey. And I and I like to share that with people because I think for anyone who feels underconfident or lost or like, oh God, like what are my skills? Who am right. I? I like to share my journey because I think it's relatable. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's such a yeah, because I remember being in that position. You're just in a whirlwind of like, where do I go? And everyone's asking you, like, so what do you want to do? And you're like, you're like mm-hmm. I have no idea. It's a great big world I out want there. To do something that will pay me. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, that um, pays you, and that you that you, you love doing. Hopefully, enjoy. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, in talking about your self audit, what I find so fascinating with that, did someone like? say this is something that you should do or did you just like intuitively know that this is what yeah. you needed I just I just kind of knew that's so interesting yeah I think it plays to my skill set of being in organizational culture too because I'm also able to like kind of goes with the empathy part because I'm really able to put myself in other people's shoes because I'm mm-hmm. pretty self-aware and able yeah. like to see when people need to like unlock that in themselves right but that self-awareness is incredible it's, it's really yeah. yeah and Gary says all the time it's one of the it's one of like the greatest assets you can have like being super super self-aware is the greatest advantage in business you can have completely yeah and knowing how to be honest with yourself without being self-deprecating yes um, yeah and I th- you seem to tread that line really well mm-hmm. of being honest without tearing yourself down that's such a good distinction because there's right. definitely a difference between negative talk right. and then like realistic talk Right. So like, yeah, that's a great because I could have said I'm bad at client. I'm not doing well at client service. I suck. I suck. I suck. Or I could right. say I'm not doing well at client service. I think there's something else I can be doing. And that's just not my wheelhouse. Right. That's the difference. And it's not a I can't do anything. It's like, OK, we're going to what can I do and what what should I be doing to mm-hmm. be the most successful? That's exactly it. That's yeah, that's a great I think understanding. So you talked about understanding your kind of, once you did that self-audit, you were able to do this like gut check, right, of knowing whether or not a client or a brand is good for your company or whatever it is. Can you talk about that gut check a little bit? Yeah. Was that the last part of the presentation? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So... This was interesting for me. Yeah, when I first came into the role, there are people who who find your email and email all the time about wanting to work with Vayner and, and do you know bring of their course. services of there. Course, yeah. And at first, when I got all these emails, it was kind of my question. I was like, I don't really have an inclination to do this or like work with this vendor, mm-hmm. but I also don't really have a reason to say no. And it put me in a really weird headspace. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to determine what to do here right. and like what to put my energy towards. And like, I just didn't have any guardrails for it. And it took me about like a year or a year and a half to figure out, I was like, oh, my guardrails are, does this serve the mission of the company? Right. Very straightforward. So if it's something kind of, you know, maybe like a super cool vendor, but if it's just like out there and it doesn't ladder back fit, fit, then it's just a a simple no thank you, not right now. And once I got that distinction, like I was able to move faster too and like work with more quality vendors who like really supported our mission. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a game changer for me. And I feel like that should be like for every single person in the company, particularly back office who are setting the structure for the company, that should be the first and foremost question. Does this serve 
the mission of the company or like an immediate need that may be identified or something. So can you talk about what your personal gut check would be, right? Like in Mm -hmm. your life, if you're looking at, does this fit like my needs? You can then translate that to other aspects of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you use that same kind of personal test? Yeah. So myself, I really... I'm a firm believer that as consumers, with money comes power, and with power comes responsibility. I agree. So for myself personally, and then working in terms of Vayner, knowing I have money, which is power and responsibility, I try to find vendors that are either minority owned Mm -hmm. and or female owned or and or immigrant owned, like something like that, where we can use that money to service others and like some people who may not who may be starting out or may not always be top of the list for investments or things like Mm -hmm. that so I try really hard to do that I also eat vegan myself and try to support you know vegan vegan restaurants and with my budget at Vayner try to go vegan as much as possible so we did like an all vegan kids day which I felt really great about yeah and it's nice to support those companies because you know as we know with climate change and all that it it plays into a larger picture so to put our money into more impactful things, impactful mm-hmm. for good is really important to me. And I, I had I asked myself that question too. I was like, I know Vayner's values and like everything I do ladders back right. like to his values. I was like, I should go through another self audit and figure out what are my values. You know, yeah. like of course I have an idea of them, but I've never like distinct like intentionally wrote them down or, or thought mm-hmm. about them. And then kind of do the same thing. Like everything I do should ladder back to that. Well and we did an exercise last semester where we had like this like I want to say it was like 70 almost to 100 like little cards yeah. with different values on them. And Dr. Price was like, okay, most important, medium important, not important. Mm. Like rank them, right? Yeah. And so then he's like, okay, get rid of the ones that aren't in your most important category. All right, mm-hmm. cut that in half. And then you do like 10 and then see if you can break that down to your like top three. Oh, wow. Or like rank them. And I looked at my values, right? And I was like, wow, I have like more than half of these values are in my most important pile. (laughs) I was like, no wonder I'm stressed all the time. They can't all be the most important thing. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, we got to get rid of some of these, move stuff around. But it was really interesting to ask college freshmen, what Mm -hmm. are your values, right? What do you find super important? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to have to make decisions and you better hope those decisions reflect what you want. Yeah. Um, That's such a cool question to ask as a, a college freshman. Like I was oh, never posed that question. Yeah. yeah, they ask us a lot of really tough mm. questions. Yeah, there's a lot of like self reflection. That's like, an it's an amazing growth program. It's like, so this is, incredible. This is the stuff that really set the tone and, and matters. You know, you right. really send the foundation of an amazing human being. Yeah, they challenge us. That's for <laughs> sure. So you talked a lot about one of the first things that you do is you figure out the why yeah. of a company or whatever. So what is your personal why? Having people figure out just how big they can be, like how much of themselves they really can be. Right. It's really cool to that's see that transformation. That's what gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Actually, that's it. Yeah. That's, it's <laughs> We fun. figured it out. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so what was one of the toughest lessons you had to learn in your career or in your personal life, whatever it may be? Probably asking for help when I need it. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who typically likes to do things on their own. You know, I can do this. Anything I need, I can gather it myself. I can figure it out. Right. And I had this narrative in my head that to ask for help is a sign of weakness, which is not Not the case. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I recently had a a session with my life coach. Um, We do a subsidized life coaching benefit Mm -hmm. through Vayner. I had a session with her and she she said, 
when you ask for help, you're not, it's not a sign of weakness, but you're asking, look at it like this. You're asking for the resources to get the job done, or you're asking for other people to accompany you on your journey to help get the job done. Mm-hmm. And like framing it like that was really helpful for me. Yeah. And there are a couple projects like at work even recently too that were really big, like really big and complex. And I, I didn't take the time to ask for help because I got in this mindset of like, no, it's it's my project, so I'm going to own it fully. I don't, right. don't want to bother people asking exactly, for help. Yeah. And it, it was – and sometimes, you know, you, you think you can swim to the other side of the river and you're like, oh, it's much farther than I thought. So right. I found myself kind of treading water and I was – near neither shore so put me in a little bit of like a a tricky spot but then once I learned that from my life um, my life coach where it's like you're asking people to accompany you on your journey and like help support them and then Mm -hmm. it also helped me when I meet new people I say how tell me how I can support you too right and I said that to multiple students around here too especially (laughs) especially as you all are you know entering the workforce and all that like like like, let me know how I can support you so ask me for help so Mm -hmm. I really like reframed asking for help in my mind right and I've just, I've just come to this realization like just only two three weeks now, but it's been instrumental in how I've been able to right. handle my do my job and handle this complex project that I'm working on. Well, and what's so interesting to me with that is that earlier you were talking about you wanted people quote unquote underneath you, I guess, or that you're managing mm-hmm. to be able to come to you to ask for help. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Especially when you get into that managerial position, right? It's mm-hmm. hard to then be like, well, I can still ask other people for help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, yeah. And it's, it's always isn't it the old saying like the thing the thing that you pick up on is the thing you need to change the most in yourself yeah. or something to that effect. I, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. So it is interesting that like I stress I want my direct reports to have at least where they feel like they must come for help and then right. I have a hard time asking for help yeah, myself. So it's, just, it's definitely that correlation. It's so, yeah, it's <laughs> so funny. So what would be your advice to undergraduate leaders that are want to go into a place that either has a strong organizational culture or is looking to kind of do something similar? I would say definitely read between the lines too. Okay. I know a lot of people when when you ask someone, like a friend or whoever, hey, you know, what's your company like? What's the culture like? A lot of times they'll spit back, oh, it's, we have, you know, we have beer on tap or we have half days or dog days or something like right. that or, or what have you. And those are cool, but those are perks. Mm-hmm. The culture really is the the philosophy and the the foundational, more or less emotional, sometimes even spiritual, if you want to use that mm-hmm. word, environment of a company. The culture is if you if you walk into the office and you're having something's going on in your personal life, whether it's like child, parent, pet, Whatever and you're just you know yeah something's going on in your universe. You know you walk into that office and they're going to be there to to su- to support you through that, not. Right throw you to the side and say, you know, beef up, get the job done. Right. It's, a, it's a flexibility. It's that emotional trust, as Claude Silver, my boss, says, too. You want to have a company or culture that has really strong emotional trust. Right. Um, it has the and, – and you want to look at their philosophies, too. Mm-hmm. Like Vena, for example, we're very much in the mindset of we rise together, you know. I'm not going to cut you down or withhold you from something. Right. Like I rise when you rise. And that's the philosophy, and yeah, we have really dope perks too, like <laughs> yeah. unlimited vacation yeah. and snacks and things like that. But it's really this this foundational air of of like we encourage people to bring their whole selves to work or their best selves to work. Or right. we, and we try to create the environment where if you want to bring your full full self to work, your you know full fantastical mm-hmm. wacky self, right. the environment is there to catch you and embrace you and welcome it right. and not be like and not and not 
there's a difference between tolerance and acceptance too. So Vayner just doesn't just tolerate people and all like their cool, amazing right. forms. So we embrace it too, and we encourage people mm-hmm. to bring their full selves. Right. And that's that's what I really want people to look at, and that not mm-hmm. so much the perks. So, what are ways that you can, let's say, hypothetical? I'm going to interview for a company, or I have mm-hmm. three different companies that I'm torn between whatever it is. Yeah. Um, job. What should I? Again, fake scenario, mm-hmm. look for in picking the best place with the organizational culture. Yeah. Whatever those three. I would look at, I would definitely look at the people in the organization too. Mm-hmm. What's the body language like? Is right. it, what you know, and what's the general sense you get from walking into that place? Does mm-hmm. it feel stale? Do you feel like you have to talk a little more like quiet or like, you know, conceal your but, body no, language? Right. Yeah. Or do you feel just kind of like, cool big, bold, like this feels I like can home. Be, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I know when you walk into the Vayner offices, it's not only physically bright, but people are just like, reception is like, hey, how are you? People walking by are like, oh, good to see you. Good yeah. luck on your interview. It's very energetic right. and invokes energy. So I would look at that body language. I'd also look at the the artifacts that we were talking about right. that are within the company because that really, the artifacts are the physical representation of of the philosophy and what right. the founders are thinking. So you want to see, you know, who is, what, what's the art on the walls? If it's a bunch of people, who are those people? What do they look like? Um, right. You know, even down to simple things like... Uh, what are people wearing in the office, yeah, right? Is it all yeah. gray suits or is it colorful and bright? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, all, the, all those types of context clues will right. play into it. And then I would, and then I would ask the interviewers uh, point blank, like, "What's the culture here?" And see what they say if they right. respond back with very perk-like things, right. you know, like we have snacks in the kitchen, or if they go into a deeper explanation of of how they treat each other as people, and right. to see what that is, because there's you'll get very distinct answers from each one. And then in addition to that, I would also ask connect with people on LinkedIn who work there too and get their sense of the culture. Like ask them what it's like to work there because one person's experience of the company will be greatly different from everyone else's. So good diversity of opinion. Good diversity of opinion. Mm -hmm. That's great advice um, as we enter into whether looking at internships or jobs. Mm -hmm. So for some more fun questions to kind of wrap this up a little bit, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Yeah. Okay. My first instinct is I would do marine life rescue in San Diego. I would just what? I would just pretend like money and financial future and all yeah. that does not exist and I would just be on a boat in the water rescuing <laughs> animals awesome. that are tied in nets or stopping whalers from like yeah. coming and doing like a legal, you know, animal <laughs> And all things like that. Yeah, I've always, I don't know if it's always been a dream of mine. That's so much fun. (laughs) We, one of the other interviewers, another student here, I asked her that question and she wants to be a space nurse. She'd like be a nurse in like outer space. That's amazing. Right? Like you get so many fun. (laughs) I love that question. So many fun things. Space nurse. Right? I was like, how do we make this happen for you? (laughs) So what is the best advice you ever received? Something that I constantly run through my head is just the phrase, be brave. Mm-hmm. I used to operate in a really scared type of mindset where I was always afraid of, am I doing the right thing? And what I mean by right. that, it's not like a big moral thing, but even in situations of like, 
I don't know, walking into like a, a new person's house or walking right. into a new company or walking into a new project at work. It's like, am I following the right societal yeah. script? Like, am I doing right. this right? Exactly. And I've always like, yeah, tried to fit into like this invisible script or mold that I thought was identified with that situation. Mm-hmm. And I'd spend a lot of time and energy and fear that I wasn't fading into the script. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it hit me. I was like, no, just be your big, full, authentic self. Right. Just be brave enough to just be yourself and like relax back into your own skin and bones and just like walk into the space like as yourself. And you were walking, correct me if I'm wrong, walking in to not fail. You weren't walking in to succeed. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? It wasn't Mm. like a... I always grew up thinking of this in terms of sports, right? When teams play to win versus when you play not to lose. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because it's very different. Exactly. Yeah. Because one's kind of like a fear-based model. Right. Like you're playing to not fail. And the other is like, we're playing for success. Exactly. And it feels like very forward, like has a lot of momentum. Exactly. It, yeah. You hit the it's nail on the head. Same. That's exactly what it is. So one of the questions that almost every student in our program has to answer mm-hmm. um, when applying to this program is who exemplifies outstanding leadership to you? Miss Alexis Wilson of the mentorship who I mentioned in the okay. presentation. Yes. She is she is a young female, not so young, she's in her, her early 20s, uh, entrepreneur, and she created this program, the mentorship, that's a mix between uh, a mentorship and an inter- internship. So the mentor part is building those necessary, those human skills, or the old term for it was soft skills that right. we know are not soft, they're yeah. necessary skills. Yeah. And the internship part of it is like she brings – she brings this group of uh, three to four women to all these amazing companies like Nike, VaynerMedia, Viacom, Oprah. They went to Oprah. And oh. she she does this purely from her entrepreneurship and passion. And uh, she just has this amazing solidness and confidence to her despite being young and navigating yeah. that. And I always admire that because I always saw my, my age or like lack of life experience. It's like I don't know what I'm doing so I don't have – I, I can't do this because I shouldn't know what I'm doing. I don't have permission right. to do it. Kind of like that waterfall effect. Yeah. And she's just, she's so solid in herself and she knows what she's doing. And she has such a a, a strong warmth about her. And the right. way she handles her mentees or mentors and and provides them and puts them in these amazing positions and really champions them too. Awesome. Um, yeah, she's someone, I met her two years ago at this point. I just, I think of her all the time. She's um, so strong, so, so strong. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. This was a great episode. There's a lot of great content. So thank you so much, Danny. Thank you so much for having me.